Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus and this is my podcast. And this is actually the fourth or fifth time I started recording it because it sounded awful. And I was like, why should Shmuel Tenenhaus, the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast sound awful when I could just keep deleting it and starting again and again? By the way, together with me this evening is the air conditioning humming in the background of my garage. Uh, I was very excited to have the humming uh, participate in the show in an official capacity. Please welcome my air conditioner. Thank you. It is a split unit, by the way. I want to just apologize for not dropping an episode last week. Uh, You know, I don't watch the Oscars. I don't think anybody watches the Oscars. What happened was one guy slapped another person. I don't want to get into all the details, but I personally was really offended. And as a result, I canceled my own show last week. But now I've recovered and I'm back. There's been apologies that I've said that have happened and different punishments happening. And there are people reviewing the situation. So basically, I'm, I'm back doing it somewhat reluctantly, but I, I think I can get into it after a little while. So, uh, just uh, what it's like to have the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Uh, Somebody bumped into me at a bris and uh, said, what's this with your podcast? And then I was at a friendship circle jog on Sunday and somebody bumped into me and said, you know, they try to get a discount at the friendship circle jog and they mentioned the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. I also got a message on LinkedIn about my podcast, and then somebody left me about a 10-minute uh, voice note on WhatsApp. So uh, this is actually what I feared most when I started podcasting, which is that ultimately I'm going to start putting myself out there, and it will lead to meeting more people who know who I am and potentially appreciate my talents. And then what that could lead to is potentially some of those people wanting to establish friendship with me, which could inevitably lead to a friendship. And that could unfortunately cascade to a situation where I become a happier person. There's a little more meaning in my life. And uh, I have no material left for my podcast because I'm really cheery. And I just, for 45 minutes, be like, hey, yesterday was a great day. Nothing happened that irked me now that I have a couple of extra friends because of this podcast. So if you're out there and you bump into me, there could be a friendship that happens. But just remember, you might be doing yourself a disservice because... There may, be me, may, there may be more inner joy instilled in me. And there goes everything. Uh, we had a, unfortunately, what we call a from crisis last week. Our cleaning lady hurt her shoulder. Leia Leno, we're not sure when she's going to come back. My wife is picking up uh, about 98% of whatever is supposed to be happening in the house. I'm not exactly sure what happens, but I think things are moving along, right? There's no, you know, the water is still running. Um, I can still see the floors. 
what I'm doing, the 2% that I'm doing is uh, I am busy manifesting in my head that our cleaning ladies should have a speedy recovery, and may we all say amen. Uh, I will say that on a Friday, I actually, Shmuel Tenenos, the Shmuel Tenenos podcast, cleaned all the toilets in my house. And there were lots of chemicals used and, and sloshed around. They kind of did a spongia, if you know what that is, if you were ever in Israel. I was uh, mopping and uh, spraying different stuff all over the place. It was actually very satisfying. Uh, highly recommend it. And I will say when I was done cleaning the toilets, my wife had this expression on her face, uh, which I could only translate as being uh, true love. It felt like uh, our wedding day, really. She has not looked at me with such affection. I don't think ever. So men, if you're feeling that for whatever reason, your wife doesn't think you add a lot of value, probably because you don't, what I would tell you is grab a toilet brush, put on some gloves, Grab, grab some Lysol and any other chemical that you can find in the house and just start spritzing it all around there and she is going to love you and who knows what else can happen. I will say that uh, a lot of, there is a lot of naysaying about our, the from or the religious educational system and which leads me to when I was in school, uh, and I, I don't want to call out the school that I went to. It's not important. Uh, it's not in, an integral piece of the story. And maybe maybe that should be kept confidential. I will say that I did go to a Lubavitch school uh, without getting into too much detail. It was in Miami Beach. Uh, the street that it was on, the school where the school was, uh, uh maybe rhymed with Schmalton Toad or not. Absolutely not. And uh, could be also, uh, it also, you know, if you turn the letters around, it could be it was uh, Schmandau Kashiva. But again, it's not relevant. And I really don't appreciate uh, all this gossipy thing that's going on right now people trying to figure out where it was so this is a true story because uh this is the type of stuff you cannot make up i got in trouble there and i was not the only person who got in trouble there and i don't know exactly what my age was i think it was between first and fifth grade somewhere in between a lot of classes were mixed so sometimes you can be in first grade and fifth grade at the same time and uh, now it's an amazing, massive school. Uh, but again, I'm not even going to tell you which school it is. And could be there's a lot of big schools right now. Anyways, I got in trouble. And the punishment was, naturally, I had to clean the toilets. This is actually a true story. I am not the only one who had to clean the toilets. Uh, there's a friend of mine who is a shliach somewhere in Florida. Another person, maybe, he's a, a big rabbi in a, in a different shul. We were all there cleaning the urinals. And I will, I will give the school credit. Uh, first of all, the teacher was a substitute, even though it wasn't my first time having to clean the toilets there. Uh, second of all, they did not require any cleaning of stalls. Maybe the kids who behave worse had to clean the stalls. For me, 
it was just the urinals. My point was, my point is here, there's a point here, right? There, there really is a point here, and I really hate when you rush me. My point in all of this is, is that when I was cleaning the toilets in my house, you know, I had the education, and I had the education because when I was in school, for whatever reason, uh, maybe call it discipline, I had to clean a toilet there. So now picking up the toilet brush as an adult, it is something that I don't shy from. I'm not ashamed to do. And I actually have good skill and technique. And uh, so to all the naysayers out there going, why do you have to send your kid to, to from school or to yeshiva and pay, all this, pay the tuition and, and carpools and stuff like that? You know, you're not learning anything practical. Yes, you are. Uh, some of my education came in handy this past Friday. Now, a friend of mine uh, sent me a text this morning saying that he wanted to know where my podcast was because he is struggling learning Dafyami on the tractate of Yavamas. Now, I don't want to turn this podcast, heaven forbid, into a sheer or a class. Uh, there's so many more important things that we have to talk about, but I do want to give you a primer on basically what this tractate of Gemara is on and why so many people are struggling. So uh, as a synopsis, basically a, a case that I'll, I'll discuss with you, and these are the type of things that we are learning right now in this Gemara. So if you have three brothers, let's call them Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi have, each have a wife. Let's call them Rachel, Leah, and Rivka. Now, their three wives also happen to be sisters. Because sometimes you can have two brothers marry two sisters. Or you can have three brothers marry three sisters. So now, three brothers are married three sisters. What happens is, one of the brothers dies. Two of the other brothers also marry other women. Those women are very friendly with somebody else's father-in-law. Two of these people then go on a ship and travel to a country. While they do, somebody has a baby on the boat. They don't know whose baby it is. They come back to the country they were in. Now, at the other part of town, there are five sisters. These five sisters have two sons. The two sons now become grandparents when they're older. The grandparents have a wedding. They go somewhere very far and rent a vacation rental. At that point in time, one of the babies from the boat come back to this house and say, who's my father? Anyways, this is in a nutshell what, what is going on here, and this is pretty much what I've been able to grasp over the last month or so, because tomorrow we are holding Daf Lamed Aleph. It's not too late to start, and I hope I really did a good job selling uh, the Sivamas. And now I'm going to manifest some ad re revenue by reading an ad for a sponsor that I do not have with the hope that, again, by using my powers of persuasion and manifestation, this will lead 
to paid advertising one day on the Shmuel Tenant House podcast. Is your privacy not a thing? Do you enjoy being spied on? When you're having a really private, intimate moment in your home, do you think, oh, I wish somebody were eavesdropping? Folks, let me tell you about the Amazon Alexa. This is a disc-shaped device, which is practically free at this point in time because Amazon is not content with the fact that they own Ring and they can see everything outside of your house. They now also want to hear all the conversations in your house. So if your inner sanctuary is not important to you and you're looking for a 24-7, 365-day-a-year personal life intrusion that is only semi-creepy, you must get yourself an Alexa device. Now, on the plus side, yes, you do have to compromise your, your, uh, your privacy. And any bastion of something you have that somebody does not know to the most uh, powerful tech company in the world. But on the flip side, first of all, you can ask Alexa to tell you the weather. Where else would you get the weather from? Like, there's no other app doing that. The other thing that Alexa can give you is a knock-knock joke. So, think about, do I want weather on demand? Also, is it cute for me to talk to a creepy device in my house that can also tell me knock-knock jokes? Obviously, the answer is yes. Folks, it is time to get yourself an Alexa if you already don't have it. Go to Amazon.com forward slash Alexa. Enter the code The Schmuel Tenant House Podcast. And they'll probably give you like a dollar off of Prime Video or some other promotion or Amazon Smile or something else that is happening. And now back to our regular programming. So I am going to have a guest on this show. He is my friend and he's not Jewish. I'm sorry to break everybody's heart out there. Yes, I'm Jewish. The Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast has a lot of Jewish jokes. But I also have a couple, not a lot, non-Jewish friends. One of my non-Jewish friends is also listening to this podcast. He's a fan of comedy. And he also owns, in my opinion, the best cannabis company in the world called Saints Joints. His name is Lawrence Perigo, or Larry like I call him. He's going to join me on the show a little later. And when I say he's going to join me a little later on the show, I don't want you to get this idea, this foreign concept in your head. Oh, wow. Shmuel Tenenhaus from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast sounds like he's got it going on, like this guy's going to join him. No, he's not. I recorded him yesterday. I'm just going to take the audio file and drop it into GarageBand right after this and make sure not to edit anything. And that's how this podcast gets made. I do want to allay the fears and concerns of some of you out there who say, Shmuel, you're joking about 
a recreational drug. But don't you understand that this is just a gateway? People start with this, and who knows what it can lead to. So to the concerned folks, I say, let's be real here. Right now, with the salary that I'm making from all the different jobs that I have, I cannot afford any heavier drugs but some subpar cannabis that I get to schnar from anybody that I know. I do not have the budget right now for bigger stuff. I got kids. They go to school. They need food. I need food. One day, there's going to need diapers and changing tables, all that sort of stuff. So this idea of a gateway drug, it just, again, it doesn't work for us financially right now. Now, I do have goals one day to make a lot of money so that cannabis could be a gateway drug when I can afford that lifestyle. But right now, again, this is what I can handle and what our budget can handle, according to Mint, just a little cannabis here and there. Anyways, Larry will join us soon. Uh, Now, I would like to walk you through what it's like being in my shoal. I don't know if your shoal is any different. And uh, this is what it's like being there Friday night. Now, I I come there. I try to come there most Friday nights. Could be um, I'm blitzed or half-baked. Could be not. I don't think that's relevant. So I'm sitting down doing my little Marv thing. And this is what I hear while I'm trying to... While I'm humming the words, I hear... I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I saw it. It was like a 1.2. He got it for 1.3. I mean, we went there. We gave him 1.4. But the uh, offer got rejected. There was multiple offers. And uh, I'm just going a little further. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It cost $100,000 to put in a pool. $150,000 to put in a pool. I mean, it's just crazy. Look on Zillow and you see this. Like, no houses. I mean, the time that it's pending for, for, for non-pending and, and pending and the escrow and the agent and the lawyer and the... Anyways, definitely come to Shoal. Uh, it's a great vibe there, uh, Friday night. And uh, you may just learn a thing or two about uh, business. And uh, if it's 1.2 or 1.8 or, or, or 1.4 or 4.7. We had talked in the past about uh, just the wildly successful uh, fintech startup, otherwise known as uh, Shoal Collectors coming in now with a credit card reader. And I talked about this on probably, I think, the, f- the first episode back in season one. It's very, very hard to even think so far back. And a friend of mine showed me that he has outsmarted the collectors because in his Tefillin and Talis bag, he has a stack of singles. And so therefore, He has outwitted the people with the credit card readers. And I'm going to make a prediction here. Call me crazy. But I think we'll see it in the next 
couple of months or, or years, especially if people are trying to do this trick. At some point in time, you're going to try to give your $1 bill to a collector, and he's going to tell you, sorry, I do not take cash. I only take cards. For whatever reason, it could be it's not sanitary, the spread of germs on fiat. There could be a lot of things. But don't think that your singles are going to evade the show collector. The, right now, I only have one solution. If you are trying to avoid giving charity by any means when you go to show, if you're not carrying cash, and you have a credit card, and you don't want to share any of the money that you didn't work that hard to get, and that is uh, you can rock up to show in your underwear. And when they ask you for money, you can say, look, buddy, I don't even have pants with me. So the odds that I have a credit card, I'm not carrying a credit card in my underwear because I ran out of my house so quickly, I forgot to take the pants that had my wallet with the credit card. And I think that might be uh, an impenetrable, I don't even know if there's such a word, but I think that is maybe a little more foolproof uh, of a solution than thinking that your single stack is going to uh, get you out of uh, this whole uh, charity business. Uh, now, this is not a very political podcast, and uh, you can't see me right now, but I'm actually shuckling like I'm in Shoal Friday night. All we need is, uh, if this was in Shoal Friday night again, we'd need about 95% of the people talking about uh, the housing market. So, uh, by the way, is it time to call a, a top of the market? I think when, when you have 90% of the Friday night minion just talking about housing, I, I, think, I think this is where uh, you know, somebody who's been on Wall Street for a long time would be like, yeah, this, is, this was the peak when everybody Friday night at Shoal was talking about a second or a third appraisal and a cash out. Yeah, we knew right now that the market was just about to take a dive. Anyways, so I don't want to get really political here, but uh, I want to talk about DeSantis, who is the governor of the state of Florida. And I think that he has gone too far right now talking and promoting his new ban on recycling. So... There used to be regular garbage pickup and recycling pickup because it's a normal thing to recycle. And now uh, DeSantis, probably just playing to his base, is saying he has this new slogan called Trash is Trash and uh, has now banned officially any recycling in the state of Florida. And I know some of my friends are very pro this. Um, and I know that some of my friends listening on the West Coast are horrified horrified that recycling is now being outlawed in the state of Florida. And I, there's also a new proposal that he's got out now, which is banning the use of electric vehicles, uh, just because uh, it is uh, much better 
uh, to drive something which is uh, polluting the environment. And uh, again, not my place to pine on something political, but I just think, I think we've taken this, I think the narrative has been pushed a little too far. Uh, the, the next thing I want to talk about is, uh, I have a friend, I have more than one friend in this predicament who is having a rough patch in his marriage. And I was sitting with him, and a fr another friend of mine was sitting with him, so that makes three of us, if you're putting one and one and one together. Three. And at some point in time, he confides to us that the only thing right now that's keeping in him locked in his marriage is the fact that he has children. And when I heard this, I felt so sorry for him because little does he know that every single married person, man or woman, feels exactly the same way. In fact, this person's wife would probably be long gone if she didn't have children either. Like, I don't know, I thought that was the most obvious thing that anybody had ever told me, ever. Even if somebody has a good marriage. I mean, what's keeping them there if it wasn't for the kids? And, I uh, mean, keeping these people together, just living together and ignoring the crap out of each other year after year, year in, year out, year in, year out, everybody's family, all the issues. It's the kids. Now, uh, this is what I would refer to uh, with my friends as a reverse hostage situation, which is, so normally, you know, somebody, a bank robber could go into the bank and take people hostage. Or, you know, the kids in this situation, in a marriage, take the parents hostage. Right? Because you can't leave because you are essentially hostage to the fact that you have children. And, again, I don't mean to be callous or anything like that, but, yes, of course, again, I feel sad that somebody's going through a rough time, but, buddy, you ain't unique. I mean, maybe you have some unique things in the world, but, if you think what's keeping you in your marriage is, 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 is your kids, then, uh, yeah, you got a whole other thing going for you. Um, next thing I want to talk about is um, my wife bought something the other day. And, uh, and then she bought another thing. And then, you know, a few minutes went by and <clears throat> she bought something else. And then she got something else. and. <clears throat> she got a different different thing, and then she need buy she need to get a shelf to put all the things that she just bought onto the shelf. And then there were some parts of that shelf was empty, so you had to get other things to fill up that part of the shelf. It was another matching thing. And uh, uh, when I asked my wife, like, what motivated her to buy that thing, she basically told me be 
because <clears throat> somebody was selling something. And uh, that's basically why she bought something. So if you have something to sell, uh, I, don't want, I want to make this easy for you. My wife will probably buy it. Uh, all you have to do is make it known that you have something to sell. And uh, my wife does have, I think, a sense of urgency because somebody's selling something. If you don't buy it right now, it's possible that somebody else is going to buy it. And then we won't get we won't get that. Somebody else is going to get that. So we may we may not need it right now. I think it's just a good idea to keep it in the garage just in case you know we need it at some point in time. Every once in a while, we will clear out the garage from all the things that we bought that we didn't need so that we have room to buy and invest in a whole bunch of other stuff that we don't need. And uh, the way that I, I view this, and I've shared this with my dear wife, is that, uh, you know, according to Jewish mysticism, there are very high sparks of holiness that are scattered across the world. And our job is to find them and to elevate them. And my wife is just way more attuned to these sparks. Now, could be there's been thousands of false positives of these sparks, and she's just erring on the side of caution. Uh, but um, I love her very much. And to all the people that have run ads on Instagram and my wife bought something from your ad, you are not necessarily a very skilled marketer. Because all you had to do was just say, we are selling a product, and my wife would, would have gotten it. So kudos to you. You got your sale. The ROI looks good. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of effort. Um, in terms of uh, marital bliss in the house, to all you clueless men out there, never say the B word. The B word will get you into trouble. The B word is budget. Your wife does not want to hear the word budget because what that evokes is that your love and your affection and your concern for her is all budgeted. Marriage is a union. It's forever. It's unlimited. And when you start putting your narrow-minded budget awareness onto everything, it kind of kills everything. I will say, while men should never, ever mention the B word, ever, don't say the B word. My wife called me the S word. And uh, it happened earlier this week. We had a little talk, and she called me a schlump. Apparently, when I went to the friendship circle thing, I was rocking uh, an old pair of gray sneakers, uh, black socks, sweatpants, sits coming out from every, uh, every orifice, and uh, probably a t-shirt that was too large on me. And for whatever reason, I don't know what inspired this, she called me a schlump. And uh, I reminded her that when we went out 
and met, finally met my father-in-law, who was then my future father-in-law. His recollection of me that he has shared with me on many occasions is that when he saw me for the first time tra- traipsing up the stairs into his home with his daughter, he said, who is this homeless man walking in here with his daughter? And uh, I think, yes, my face does give off that homeless feel uh, and touch, but I do think a lot of that was related to wardrobe malfunction and choices that I've made. And so the point is that I was trying to tell my wife is that this is not a new phenomenon. This is not like you married somebody who had it together and then over a course of years just stopped caring. I never cared. This is not something, again, like, you know, we used to get all dressed and, you know, we was all curt. No, I, I was never dressed. My shirt was never tucked in. Uh, in fact, when we were about to get engaged, my wife did uh, have me throw out a whole, not a whole bunch, but I would say maybe a handful of items, uh, including a uh, Dolphin's jersey, which just based on how they've played for the last 40, 50 years, she was definitely onto something. And then some things I was kind of shocked about, I had this like old Navy uh, sh- fake sheepskin coat, which I was madly in love with. It was really cheap, really snug fitting, but she wanted me to get rid of there. A pair of uh, Cole hand shoes, I guess, that looked like I had been institutionalized and they gave me those safe shoes. Um, and so, uh, your wife can call you the S word. You can never, ever say the B word. Don't even spell it. And now, uh, we are going to manifest, manifest another ad with the hope of making money. I want to talk to you folks today about Peloton. DTH. That is a direct to hanger Peloton. So normally you will get a hang you'll get a Peloton, you'll use it for five, six weeks, check out some hotties giving classes, men and women, and then walk around and prance around the city with your Peloton hat and your other Peloton merch, thinking like some of the waste material that comes out of your body doesn't have an odor. So here's the deal. What happens is, a couple months later, you start hanging stuff on there, and it gets covered with clothing. The Peloton direct to hanger is a regular Peloton, but what it has is, it comes connected with a laundry bag. So, as things start piling up, and it really starts overcrowding your Peloton, you can put it directly in the laundry bag. And because it's direct to hanger, Also, there is no outlet or electricity. It just shows up in your house. You will get the merch. You will have the Peloton. But why pretend for six weeks that this is going to be a sustainable lifestyle? You're lazy. You know you're lazy. Buying something for a couple thousand dollars, even though they keep dropping the price, is not going to change that. Just accept who you are and take the merch and be very, very happy. Okay, now, uh, just like we were talking about, too, I want to ask uh, a, a question. Is, is this typical that you guys sometimes have? 
maybe men or women, because again, it depends. Uh, sometimes the women are the ones who are way more fiscally responsible. And that is sometimes in my situation, I'm speaking to my wife and she is talking and talking and doing her, doing her thing. And uh, I'm doing my darnest to uh, look her in the eye and make sure not to absorb any of the words that she's saying or even going to process any of that information. And I'm completely zoned out, uh, even though I've mastered the look of being zoned out, but kind of looks like I'm, you know, still present and paying attention. And at some point in time, I, my wife will drop like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back, back that up. Start again. What's $4,000? Anyways, I'm just wondering again if that's ever happened to you where there's a conversation, you're not paying any attention to it. And uh, a figure uh, of money is mentioned and you just uh, get pulled right back into it. Uh, great tactic, by the way, uh, that you women are doing, uh, and I don't know who, who has given you guys this brilliant advice, or if your husband is not paying attention, just say $4,000, and he will whip right into shape and be paying rapt attention to anything that you say. I want to talk about a little bit of self-esteem, um, and it's something that I, I deal with and struggle just for myself and for my esteem and how I have found a little hack in solving this. And that is uh, because I'm constantly, uh, you know, consciously or subconsciously comparing myself to others because I live here in the world and there are other people. Uh, and typically it doesn't uh, lead to me feeling good about myself. So what I've done is I've... Uh, taken great strides to make sure that I have mosaic status on JetBlue. And uh, at that point, for that moment when I'm flying and when they do an early boarding for mosaic, uh, I do start comparing myself to other people. In fact, I compare myself to everybody there who is not a mosaic member. And I'm outshining everyone. I'm first on the plane. I can make same-day changes. The people at the airline say, thank you for being a Mosaic member. And occasionally I'll get a dirty stare from somebody who's not a Mosaic member. And they feel like, who do you think you are? Like you're just some sort of elite. And what I really want to tell them is, you know, you don't know what's going on. I'm dealing with a lot of deep-rooted self-esteem issues right now, and this mosaic status is the one thing right now that I'm holding on to for dear life. So please move, because I get the board first, and by the way, I don't have to pay luggage, and it's happy hour every hour on JetBlue if you're a mosaic member. Um, and uh, I think it's time to wrap this up. I do have a bunch of other things to say, but we have that interview with my friend Larry, which I hope you enjoy. Uh, I want to throw this out there that uh, at this point, this is 
the sixth episode, I do think it's time that we do a live show. I don't know if it's a, a full-fledged tour, but if you are interested in attending a live podcast recording, please let me know. Uh, in person, you can just see me and wink four times, and I will know that you're in. Um, and then, potentially, we will make it happen at some point in time. Uh, I want to caution you that the interview that I do with Larry is uh, two things to be aware of. First of all, there is a cuss word or two. If you can't handle it, I totally understand you're an adult, and that is a decision that you can make for yourself. The second thing is, uh, at some point in time during the interview, Larry is very famous, or Lawrence, started getting a whole bunch of text messages. People wanted to do collaborations and probably want to score some weed from him. And so uh, it really uh, can be a little uh, dis uh, distracting from the actual recording. And uh, I was livid when it happened, not at Lawrence, but just at my staff. And so uh, it was pretty much a, blood uh, a bloodbath after the fact. I let a, uh, two sound engineers go and um, a couple of people that work on the editing side on my podcast. I canned them all. So now it is just me working on the Schmuel Tenant House podcast. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you soon. Did you hear that, Larry? Yeah, totally. This meeting is being recorded. Nice. Everything you say <laughs> is being recorded forever. Oh, my God. Now yeah. they know. Yeah, until, uh, until uh, somebody forgets to uh, do a payment to Zoom, and then the file gets uh, destroyed. And, uh, oh, in 30 days? After your 30-day trial is over? It's like 30, 90, 120. Then they have somebody in customer support who listens to anything incriminating and be like, hey, you know, you didn't pay that bill. And we have this shocking thing that we put to our social media account. Yeah, um, totally. totally. So, <laughs> so for some background. Yeah. My name is Schmuel Tenenhaus and I host Schmuel Tenenhaus Podcast. Uh, and we've only had one guest so far. We only really had five episodes so far, so it's one out of five episodes. But I wanted to have a very special guest with me here. It's my friend Larry from Seattle. How's it Say going, It's Good to get, thank you so much for having me as your second guest on the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Thank you, thank you. You told me listen to all uh, all episodes. That's great. I've thank listened you. to all the seasons too. Okay, all seasons. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, 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 I'll have you introduce yourself. And uh, I know my friend Larry or Lawrence. Um, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Perigo? Lawrence Perigo, yeah. Okay, I got it. Um, yeah. Lawrence Perigo, who is the CEO and founder of definitely the best uh, weed and brand for joints in Washington State, possibly the whole world, even though you probably need a license to operate in 20 places. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I try really hard. And uh, a friend of mine in Seattle uh, has who introduced me to lots of different stuff. Uh, and he, this is one of his stuff. And he said, "You got to check this out. You got to see the packaging. This is the coolest thing." And and I must say that, uh, you know, so 
Larry is the CEO of a company called Saints Joint. What's what's the uh, what's your uh, Instagram or your website? Uh, SaintsJoints.com. And okay, every, I mean, yeah, I mean, Instagram hates us. They okay. shadow ban everything we do all the time. So okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's a uh, uh, just any anything in the cannabis industry they kind of have an issue with. Yeah, totally, totally. You can cut. Can can I cuss on this episode? I'm sorry, this uh, podcast. Yeah. If, if you have to, that's totally okay. okay. Um, okay. My parents are listening. Hi, Ma. Hi, Ta. Uh, so uh, that's okay. My parents uh, are dead. Okay. But they're listening. They could be they're listening, right? They have Spotify. I got my kid a Ouija board last week. So maybe <laughs> they're listening through the Ouija board. Okay. That's possible. <laughs> um, I love the way, by the way, you have a sign behind your head that says herbs. <laughs> yes, totally. Very, very you, nice. You're the first person that's picked up on Thank you. Uh, so uh, because on this podcast, we talk about weed, cannabis, a bunch, mm-hmm. uh, I figured it would be uh, a great opportunity to have my friend uh, Lawrence slash Larry uh, on here. And I got a million questions for you, but I'll try to limit them as, uh, as much as I possibly can. I so, and we miss you out here in Seattle. I heard on a podcast you came out here for vacation and you didn't even reach out. I was there for such a short amount of time. Actually, one of the reasons why I did the podcast was really to stay in touch with my friends. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, I send them a link and I'm like, hey, I don't have to have a relationship with you anymore. Just listen to the podcast. You know what's going on in my life. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take out that we'll take out the formality there. Like it's just a little just a little update there you should do that for my employees absolutely just do a little <laughs> podcast from your home send it to them yeah and, totally. uh, you, you are good to go so <laughs> uh the other the other thing why it's great to have you on the podcast why it's such an honor is that uh you are you only had one guest on the podcast before and mm-hmm. he was somebody that went to school with and he's jewish you are my first non-jewish guest and there's so many more non-jews than jews jews are tiny so you represent like a much bigger cohort of people. So oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on you to help expand their audience big time. It, but when you say Jews are tiny people, but in reality, like every Jew I've ever met are actually tiny people. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a joke. Oh, well, you're just talking about that guy, that mutual guy that we know. He's not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm five, I'm five ten. Oh. Um, Unless you were referring to something else, I don't know. But my, I mean, I'm five ten, so yeah, okay, that's not so small. I just wear boots, so maybe that's why. Okay, that's uh, the <laughs> So, um, can you tell me a little bit about Saints Joint? Like, when did you start? And what inspired? Um, I think it really started um, when. Uh, I, uh, I grew some weed plants in my backyard in about in Seattle, about 2014. And when I, and it was a most wonderful year to grow weed and I cut down these weed plants and then I sold these weed plants. And then I realized I hate my day job because I could just day job. My day job was painting cars. 
So I painted cars for like 20 years. Wow. Yeah, totally. And I was like, wait a second. This is way more fun. And I don't have a boss, you know? And then it, it moved from my backyard to my basement. And then I, I started growing weed in my basement. And then I, you know, a, a couple, these are spanned out years, you know. Sure. Uh, also, because, because you smoke a lot of weed, yeah. and I, I do too, it's like all the years are kind of one <laughs> big mesh right now. Totally. Yeah. All this, all this, <laughs> the stress for sure too, Absolutely. you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Of running your own business. But um, yeah, so it, it moved from the backyard to the basement. And then ultimately to a warehouse and I'm still in that warehouse. And I, I think you've been to that warehouse. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. We'll talk about that too. Yeah. Um, but at some point in time you had to, you transitioned because you're a legal business. So there was a licensing process. Right? Yeah, there was They're like uh, 10 years ago, they opened up the uh, uh, cannabis I-502 um, licensing in Washington. And I was actually one of the few people that paid $250 to get a marijuana grow license in Seattle. Um, and yeah, at that time, um, I was growing medical, for parentheses, medical, okay. and, uh, black market weed in, sure. in Washington. And um, and then getting ready for that transition over to legalization. And for a while, I was, um, sorry, I'm going crazy. Um, can you hear me? Absolutely. Great work. Uh, uh, for a while there, I was doing legal 502, and I was doing medical on the side. And that was basically learning how to do all of the traceability and everything that needed to happen in the legal market in Washington. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was about a year of not getting paid any money. So, okay. Amazing. Yeah. So flash forward to 2022. Yep. Uh, what size, well, what is your business now? Revenue size annually? Oh my God. It's literally, it's about this. Um, we did 1.5 in terms of weed sales. So over a million dollars in weed sales. Um, the brand itself is a whole nother story. You know, it's just kind of building, building the brand for something bigger in the future. You know, Amazing. And so last year was, so you're talking about 2021, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Any profit there? Mm. Uh, I would say yes, because I officially own 100% of my business. Okay. And so I bought back all of the shares of friends and family that had been out there, you know, like. Got it. Okay. So you use the, the profits to buy it back. Yep. Totally. Totally. Okay. And so you getting ready for the next step of whatever incarnation saints is going to. Amazing. And how many shops are you in? We are in about 50 shops. Okay. And. Yep. If I recall, you were you were limited in the amount of shops you can be in, just due to uh, limitations on how much you can actually sell. We're still there, like so. People remember we're growing plants, and if you have problems with plants, 
you cannot sell your plant. Um, and I'm dealing, I had to deal with that earlier today. I'm like, we didn't grow it, you know, or we could grow so much more, you know, and, and that's the, that's the everyday struggle that I deal with in the Saints proper growing world. I wanted to say, I wanted to comment before when you were saying about how much better this was than painting cars. Yeah. You can't, when you, when you're painting cars, you can't go home at night and grab a bucket of paint and be like, you know what? It's a rough day, but I could just drink some of this paint and it's going to make everything better. But you can do that now. No, because we're sold out. So I don't even get any wheat. Okay. (laughs) There must be some trim though, that you can get your hands on. Oh yeah, totally. Floor buds. Um, yeah, but yeah, painting cars, they didn't have 15 employees either. So yeah, we're, we're, yeah, that's the hard part, you know? Absolutely. So, um, do you know, like, do you have like an idea of what that translates into like the amount of, um, joints? Are you guys all joints or you sell flour now too? We sell flour, um, but sorry, I'm going to try to have to figure out how to, how do I mute my, we probably have to edit that one out. With they keep the, coming the whole, in, that's okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> They're pinging, pinging, pinging. Yeah, well, yeah totally. Um, Is that a dealer? No, these, these are literally like people like, hey, can you check out this artwork? Hey, can you, what is this? Hey, what, it, it, it's sure. a busy time of the day, sorry. That's okay. Um, so, uh, how many, how many joints we sell a month? We sell about, um, on a slower month, we sell, um, around five, 7,500 to 10,000 joint packs. And that is uh, like 50,000 joints a month. Oh, wow. That's nice count. Yeah, because we sell like it, we 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 don't sell single joints anymore. We sell only five joints in a box, and yeah, totally, totally. And then just to give perspective, what when you're selling five joints and these are like higher end, they're really rolled nicely. And oh, I yeah. know you guys just don't use like um, garbage. Yeah, we it's all bud. It's all hundred percent bud. You can taste it. You know, you can tell so- the. Yeah, I can I can tell it's a it's a higher end product. Um, wh- when you're selling those five packs, what is the like? What is your MSRP to the retail shops? Because I know they're all over the place. So, um, in, so every state is different, but I'll speak of Washington. We're also okay. licensed in Oklahoma, and that's a whole nother thing. Okay. But in Washington, we will sell an eighth of weed to the store at ten dollars. To $13. In Washington, you got a third coming to the grower, you have a third going to the store, and then a third going to the state. The state's 43%. And this is before state tax or like uh, the 10% sales tax. So Washington is getting 43%. Wow. When I was, it was 38. They raised it to 43. Well, uh, I think you're, you might be missing. A couple other percentages. Yeah, I was talking. I'm I'm thinking the the tax to the consumer in a retail shop. Got it. Yeah, and then uh, and then you got to add on excise and all the other taxes on top of that. But yeah, it's literally it's so 
So what is the out the door yeah. price? What is the out the door price for like a, a five pack? 30 to $40. Okay. And that's all bud, pre-rolled joints. Yeah. You know, here, even, even street pricing and for sure store pricing, people, you're paying, people are paying, you know, at least $15 a, a joint. And that is not necessarily for good stuff. And so. Yep. Total. Um, well, that was my, always not, my goal is to have like, you know, an, an eighth of weed should cost 40 bucks, you know, 30 to 40 bucks. And it's going to be there at some point in time, you know. Yeah, it's getting in that direction. Yeah. Um, so is your your facility, right? Is, was it, it's in an old restaurant, right? Yep, totally, totally. Falling down. We're, yeah, we're, what, type of, was it, what type of restaurant was it? Is it or was it back in the day? It was a, it was a Mexican nightclub so like a dance club and sure. concerts like i i googled it I, I went on youtube and saw it like people before we moved in and this is like a teen nightclub and it looks so sketchy yeah yeah perfect for you guys to move right in there and start oh, yeah. uh, start telling right start yeah, in the spirit in the spirit of thing yeah it was abandoned when we um when we found it it was abandoned so, but you couldn't like, you know, uh, without large investment dollars, like, you know, we kind of like moved the basement to a warehouse and paid small amounts of rent. You know? When yeah. you were, but when you were growing in the basement, yep. were you selling at that point licensed or you only started selling licensed when you moved into that facility that you're in now? Oh, when I grew in the basement, I, um, it was only medical specific. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, so a bunch of other questions. Yep. So first of all, uh, I, I try to uh, just give out the Schmoll Ten House podcast discounts all the time, uh, oh. especially since I don't have any advertisers right now. So I can give a discount to any product now. If the retailer or the merchant doesn't want to honor it, it's on them, right? It's not on me. Yeah. So. Totally. Can can listeners to this podcast get a deal on weed? Basically, is what I'm asking you. If they go to Washington State and they just go into a retail location, they'll be like, "Hey, I listen to the Schmoll Ten House podcast." Hell yeah, you can do that. Okay, I'll give Amazing. you ten percent minimum, ten percent. Sure, you more. Okay, and you just have to speak. Do you need to notify the retailers in advance, or you just? Oh, we're good. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. can't wait till I hear from some of my friends who are just really disappointed. Yeah. Well, they may not be. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, which I find is one of the most fascinating things about this industry and your business is just because one, there's full transparency, what people are growing and where they're growing. And it's because it's public information. Yeah. And then the second thing is because you can't insure anything because it's something which is still federally illegal. Yep. And you had a more than one robbery in your location. Like, wh how many robberies are you up to? It's, I think we're up to. I think we're about ten. I think of just different randoms. It's smash and grabs, or the building that we're in, the the nightclub. If we didn't pack the holes, it would look like a, a Swiss cheese at this point in time. Wow. Yeah. What was the most like egregious or wildest robbery that you guys sustained? Oh my, okay. I'll give you two. Okay. So 
uh, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Eve, two years ago, maybe three, because, you know, I have, I'm having PTSD right now. Three years ago, somebody- post, came, By the way, post-traumatic Santa disorder. Yes, totally, exactly. <laughs> three years ago, somebody came through the back door with the biggest crowbar ever. The alarm went off. They ran through the building. There's about five guys, and they ran through the building, dis- disarming every motion, every wire that they could see. And remember, this is Christmas Eve, so not a whole lot of cops out there. So, and then they ran all the way to the front of the building where our disarm panel was, ripped that off the wall. So that left us as sitting ducks, right? I had a friend, an employee come and just sleep at the building out in front in his truck. And we buttoned everything up, secured all the doors, got it all ready. I think we even parked a car in front of one of the doors. And they came, so they knew that all the electric or all of the uh, alarms were disarmed. So they got a sawzall and they cut a human sized hole in the side of the building. And, and then basically proceeded to steal everything. So Wait, we did lost. Did yeah. you have somebody in a truck though, trying to watch the building? Yeah, totally. So they knew he was there and they went to the back side of the building, broke into another company's parking area through their area and then came through a back wall through, cut a hole in a wall, like a rat. And then proceeded to steal over $100,000 worth of. That's crazy. And none of it is insurable, right? Nothing's insurable. Yeah. I think we were like, oh, they messed up the floor. Our linoleum is messed up. And that was pretty much. Yeah. And you, you guys just have to eat the cost. Yep. Totally. Yep. That's unbelievable. And then are the police sympathetic at all? Or they're just their hands are tied? Um, they're very sympathetic and honestly, like I know them very all very well now. I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? Oh wow, you us again, you know. Um, but no, police are very sympathetic and like um yeah, I'll uh you you I'll tell you I'll tell you the most insane one now, okay? So June uh two years ago in June, somebody we had been hit about three times over about 30 days and they would come in and not really get much. and we were like you know these guys they just keep busting through the doors and they know the cops are here within five minutes ten minutes so it's smash and grab and we we're like it's the same people we know it is you know even though it was like during covid and they had the masks on and everything we just knew it was the same guy um but they finally had enough of not getting anything. So they, they went and they stole a dually, which is a giant ass pickup truck. And about 4.35 a.m., they slammed into the wall. They didn't know where they were going. They just slammed this dually in, into the wall. But the first time, okay. This wall was the bathroom. So 
they exploded the entire bathroom where water was ex- everywhere. Just like, you know, you know, the uh, just fountains of water, gallons, gallons. They realized, oh, they couldn't do anything with that. So they pulled out and then they crashed through another wall and they crashed through one of determined to get yes. the same spot. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, Larry, do you ever like feel bad and then start reminding yourself that it, this is a popular brand. You've built something. <laughs> People want to steal what you have right now. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, you're right. I should think of the brighter side of life. Like, there, there's, there's much crappier weed outdoor stuff right they're not getting hit up like this yep totally well i also think being in seattle proper and growing weed in seattle proper it probably isn't the smartest move but we've been there for such a long time that the insanity has kind of just we've always been there and the insanity is getting even worse every year that we're there you know so so that was my next question which you just answered it thanks a lot which was have things gotten crazier since COVID? Um, and do you see but like let, a let me, let, let me finish that. I'm almost done with that story, okay? So they, so they took the truck and they crashed through another wall, through a grow room, smashed all the lights, all the like water barrels. And then that crashed through another room. It caused $70,000 worth of structural damage. And then they ran to the front of the building and they stole 20 empty joint boxes. After so they, all that. After all that, they got $10. Wow. They, again, they must really love the, uh, the art. Which, yeah, I would say the art. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I've done a, a, a complete disservice because when I'm describing the, your, the joints that you guys make, which again are really handcrafted and done so well. Um, they're wrapped well. You can tell there's good butt in it. You're, you, there's also an art element to the boxes and to some of the collaborations that you've done. Um, how, how did that? How did that idea? Uh, you know, is that part of your part of the marketing? Part of your background? How you see the world? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I I played in bands, played in punk metal bands for over 20 years and being in that scene and doing all of this work i met a lot of people a lot of artists a lot of you know creative people over the years and and uh quitting my day job and starting a weed brand you know and then calling back these favors these people and being like hey you know i i guess you know like discovering the brand was it took me about a week to be like, oh, I should make, you know, some animal brand. I'm like, oh, wait a second. No, no, no. I'm just going to continue doing what I've always done and use the tools that I've collected over the 20 years that I've been creating um, music and art and just turn that directly into a cannabis brand was kind of a no-brainer or a holy shit moment. Got it. Okay, so what you're saying is, you were professionally painting cars, but at the same time, you had this really creative outlet, which was art and music. Yeah. And then when you got into this industry, you were actually able to translate that into all the brand. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I was a touring musician. I put out lots of records for 
bands and I put out my own band's record. So understanding what the capabilities of packaging are really, I think, gave, gave the Saints uh, uh, a leg up for people that are starting a new, a, a new company. Any, any advice for people that are looking to get into this industry professionally? Other than maybe get better security? <laughs> you, just leave uh, boxes, you can just leave the boxes outside. And yeah. People, the, uh, the grief. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, man, that, um, that's on a case-by-case basis. You know what I mean? Like, what, you know, if you gave me a scenario, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've never run a business. Or I'm coming in from uh, an investment company and I want to start a weed company. Like, I'd be like, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. You know, like, if you're, if you're coming from a, a, a medical state and you are looking to get into the, um, into the legal market, I would say build a wonderful team of friends that, that, um, that you know can uh, put together a perfect team in terms of advertising or marketing or website or growing weed, you know? That too. Yeah, totally. Most important, yeah, for sure. But understanding the plant 100% is your number one. What is the what is your like average THC coming back at? I mean, I know that's not that big of a deal because you know all labs test it differently. But what yeah. do you typically have in your packages? Oh, like um, so you know this, but a lot of people don't know this. It doesn't matter what your weed test is tests at you what lab you send it to is <laughs> is where your weed comes back at we were at a lab that was like oh our thc is dropping and then a lab was like oh we're going to be in your neighborhood next week and we're like okay you can come pick up some of our samples and then miraculously it shot up and we had to explain to the stores why our thc was higher where people were like we used to use you guys as the example of lower testing THC. And now we have to explain why all of a sudden you're in the 25% or whatever, you know? And and those the people that put it at 25%, let's say normally you're in the teens or low 20, you know, yeah. high teens. How did it get to the 20 when these they came back and gave you like the mid-20s? What was it they just liked the weed and they were potheads and couldn't figure out how to test it? The truth. I mean, is that what it comes to? No, I think I what I think it is is the states need to have um, the same the same uh, machines testing cannabis. You can't have this guy over here has whatever this machine and this one over here having this machine. I I don't know a whole lot about testing, but obviously, um, but um, it, it, there should be like a you know the equal playing ground in terms of testing companies because. You know, everybody's just going to flock to the one with higher THC. Yeah, you don't have the same thing for alcohol, right? It's not like companies are like, you know, trying to outdo each other with alcohol percentages. Yeah, I guess that's like by law, you have to be at 40%. So everybody, yeah, that would be interesting. They're like, oh, this whiskey's at 42% and this one's at 37%. But it says 40% on the bottle. Does it really matter? Like, I'm not going to buy it for that, you know? Totally. Um, 
So next, I wanted to tell you that, uh, like I said, I sent this podcast to my Jewish friends. Uh, there, there's a handful of them, uh, and some have responded, uh, and some haven't responded. And I've sent it also to people who are, you know, not of the Jewish faith. And uh, most of them, or a few of them were like, you know, they'll just respond now on an iPhone. You can just do like a thumbs up. You don't even have to type anything. Yeah. Uh, just like a love or a thumbs up. You're the only guy I know who's uh, not necessarily target demo for a lot of the jokes that I'm making, who actually appreciated my jokes. Uh, yeah. Is that because is it possible that just you just know me in person, so it it adds a different flavor? <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I also I'm a huge fan of comedy too, though. You know, and I think I mean I just found I found the podcast hilarious, especially all the the Jewish references that I have no idea what you're talking about. I you know. know. I mean, but how do you? But how do you <laughs> get the humor? How do you get the humor though? Because I'm like, is that even a real thing? Like, these <laughs> oh, <believe> words? <laughs> the words are real. The things are real. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you're just going to go. Love, I love the, the whole bit of like, oh, if you have uh, alcohol addiction, you should come to church. Yeah, synagogue. Yeah, the whole, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, we uh, <clears throat> also... You know, it's it's an interesting way to market your cannabis brand. By the way, if you wanted to do some collaborations with synagogues, <laughs> you'd make a you'd make a killing. You'd make yeah, a totally. Killing. Um, hey, this is Schmuel Tenenhaus from the Schmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Once again, uh, if it sounds like I cut the interview in middle of the interview, it is because I cut the interview middle of the interview. Uh, it's, uh, I want to keep this podcast uh, to under five hours, uh, not yet Joe Rogan level. Uh, Larry and I had the second half of our conversation is just about religion, atheism, and perhaps we'll release it at a, at a later date. I wanted to thank uh, Larry for joining me on the podcast. Thank you all for listening and catch you all soon. I don't want to give a firm date. Soon. See you.